The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at connectionchurchnc.com. How's it going? My name's Brent. I'm the Connections Pastor here, as you can see on that little title over there. I'm about six foot tall, brownish, blackish hair. I like walks on the beach and puppies. Those last two were not true. I hate the beach. I do like dogs, though. Uh, and I have a wife. Her name is Skye. She's gorgeous. Knockout. Guys, you can't have her. I got a little one-year-old Liam. He is a warrior poet, stud. He will break your face, and he's awesome. And I have a four-year-old daughter, Lily. She is a princess, and she is gorgeous, and I will break your face if you ever touch her. (laughs) Oh, so anyway, um, do you ever feel unprepared? Like, like there's, there's a, a big test coming up or, or a job interview or something uh, really intense that's getting ready to come your way, you know, fill in the blank, whatever, or something just hits you all of a sudden and, and you just feel completely unprepared. You're just not ready. Like, like, for instance, this morning, Pastor Scott walked up to me and he was like, hey, Brent, you do remember you're preaching this morning, right? And I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, turning your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 4. Okay, that's where we're going to be at this morning. I'm just kidding. We're not in Leviticus. It's a great book, though. You should read it sometime. Um, so, so my wife, like I said, she's a great, she's a great mom. Um, she's a great wife. Um, and, and as a mom, there's just, she just knows how to take care of my kids. You know, like, like our children, she just knows what they need. It's crazy. It blows my mind how, how, like, a mom has this sense. You know, can you guys tell I'm trying to get some extra points for my wife this morning? I'm just kidding. I usually talk about her. But anyway, um, whenever we, we take our kids out, whenever we go somewhere, all right, she has this bag, okay? And, and this mom's, the, the mom bag, do you know what I'm talking about? If you have children, you understand what I'm talking about, this mom bag, right? And, um, and I don't understand it. It's like that bag is magical, okay? And, and whenever we go somewhere, somehow magically, it's got everything that you would need to take care of a kid in that bag. I mean, I don't get it. I don't understand. Have you ever seen that movie, Mary Poppins, right, where, where she sets the bag down and, like, pulls out a lampstand, you know, and a chair? It's, it's like my wife's bag. She's like, oh, yeah, you need some medicine? Yeah, I just happened to pack that. You know, oh, oh, you need, you're hungry? Yeah, I got a sandwich. Oh, oh I got a six-course meal. I just brought a, a lobster just in case you wanted to grill it out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, your kid's stuck up in a, in a tree? Sure, I got a ladder. I just happened to, I thought maybe a kid might get stuck. I'm going to bring a ladder. I don't know how it happens, all right? But that magic bag has everything. It's, it's like she, she knows what, uh, what's going on. And, and if I didn't have her instruction, right, on, on how to care for my children, who knows where my kids would be, all right? If they were left in my care 24-7, I don't know uh, what they would be doing. Um, you know, for instance, like when I go somewhere with my kids, 
I get my kids, right? And, and, then, I, and then I walk out the door, right? And, and then as I'm, as I'm buckling one kid in, I realize, oh, shoot, I have two children, and I left one up in the apartment, so I got to go back and get that one. And then as I'm buckling him in, I realize he might need pants on. It's kind of cold outside, right? I, I don't know what it is, but that she just knows. And, and it's just funny because, like, whenever she leaves me alone with my children, that sounds kind of dangerous, doesn't it? When she leaves me alone with my kids, she's got this list, an instruction list. And it's, you know, oatmeal in the morning and, and a bottle at 9.30 and a nap at 10.30 and lunch at 12. And you know what I mean? Like all those things. She's, she's got this thing for me to do. It's like she knows because she has the gift of prophecy that my day with my children could be potentially intense. It might be kind of difficult. I might be dealing with some stressful times and some challenges as I prepare for my day alone with my kids. Dads, do y'all feel me right now? Do you understand where I'm at? My day alone with my kids. Man, she wants to give me a heads up. Like, like she wants to make sure that I'm game ready and that I am prepared to handle whatever situation might come my way so that I'm not unprepared. And what I find interesting is that that story, that picture isn't too far removed from what I experience as I learn to be a more devoted follower of Jesus. You see, God knows what's in store for our lives. God knows the path ahead of us. He knows what is going to happen in our lives. And he wants us to be aware of what is coming down the way. He wants to show us how to be prepared for it. He literally wants to give us the tools that we need to prepare for the days ahead. We're in this prayer series, and that's what I want to talk about this morning, preparing for the days ahead. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and crack those things open. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Uh, you can pull your phone out. I know you're not texting because you got the U version app. Come on. Praise the Lord. It's glory. And, uh, and so while you're getting there real quick in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, It'll be up on the screen, but while you're getting there, let me kind of give you some quick back history on what is going on here. Uh, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is with his disciples, all right, and, uh, and he has just finished telling his disciples that he was going to be leaving them soon. He's getting ready to, to go away. He uh, says he was going to suffer a lot. He was going to be rejected by the current generation. Basically, he was going to die, foreshadowing that he was getting ready to, to sacrifice himself on the cross uh, for our sins, but they didn't get that right. And, he, and basically, he was telling the disciples, things are going to get rough, okay? Prepare for it. Prepare accordingly. Things are going to get rough. So, let's look at Luke chapter 18, verse 1. It says this, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. All right, stop right there for just a second. Okay, Jesus is giving them an illustration, right, a parable. He's telling them a story to prepare them in light of what is getting ready to happen. He's preparing them because he just finished up telling them in 17 what was getting ready to happen. And Luke 
here says that Jesus told this parable so that they would always pray and never give up. Those are the two things. Now, when, when I speak, I usually don't show you where I'm going ahead of time. Uh, spoiler alert, this is where we're going, okay? Always pray and never give up. I want to kind of flesh those ideas out as Jesus prepared his disciples. He is preparing us today. So I want to share that. Always pray and never give up. Let's keep going in, in verse 2. It says this. He goes on to tell the story. It says, Jesus said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Okay, so we have a judge who does whatever he wants, has no regard for people, and and doesn't fear God. Okay, so he's kind of selfish, does his own thing, um, and that's the judge. That's one of the players in the story. And then we have the widow who apparently has an urgent need. She keeps coming, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me for my adversary. Okay, she's coming and talking to this judge. Now, I don't know if this connects with you, but I used to feel that way about God. I'm the widow. And and in the Bible, widows typically aren't pictured very good. The Greek word for widow is where we get one of our words, chasm, means to be empty. So, so they've lost a husband, they're empty of that. They might have lost their children, they're empty of that. And so in the Bible, typically widows are looked at kind of like, ah, man, poor widow, let's feel sorry for them. They probably are poor, they don't have anything, all this kind of stuff. An afflicted person. And that's me. I'm the one with this huge need. And I keep coming to God. And, and God is the judge. He's that man upstairs. Does this identify with anybody? He's that guy upstairs, and he does kind of whatever he wants with little regard to who we are or what we've got going on. And I keep coming to him. And for a long time, that's what my life looked like. I come to God and, and say, hey, God, I've messed up. I messed my life up again. I'm sorry. Can you fix it? Hey, God, I don't like my job. I, I, need, I need a job. This one's not good. Hey, God, I don't like my car. Can I get a different one? My marriage is, is messed up. Can you fix it for me? Hey, God, can you do my laundry? <laughs> I'm kind of tired. Keep coming and coming to this aloof presence <laughs> that's just out there. And I just keep coming. problem is that's not what it means when that scripture says always pray always pray all right just just soak that in for a minute pastor scott said a few weeks ago and it's the same word as it is in first thessalonians 5:17 as it is right here the definition of prayer means to be close in order to exchange desires. To be close in order to exchange desires. That's what prayer is. 
Here's the picture that I get when I think of prayer. I build an altar, like what they did in the Old Testament, how I used to sacrifice things to God. And I get down on my knees and I say, God, here's my desires. I want to sacrifice them to you. I'll give them to you. And I want your desire in return. That's the picture of prayer. So when Luke was telling his readers here that the purpose of this story is that they must always learn to pray, it it doesn't mean that they must always be going to God with their agenda and with their list and their things that they've got to get done. No, God honoring prayer is when you humbly submit, you take your wants and your desires and you put it on the altar and say, God, this is what I want, this is my desire, but ultimately, I want what you want for my life. The great exchange, my desire for yours. I don't know about you, but if I'm not careful... The majority of the time that I spend in prayer with God becomes a one-sided conversation. Have you ever been in those where you can't get a word in edgewise and somebody just keeps talking and talking and talking? Sometimes that's the way we are with God. We just keep talking and talking. And usually, if I'm not careful, I'm not really wanting God's input I'm just wanting to unload. I'm just wanting to, to kind of get this out. And, and if I'm not careful, prayer time becomes wish fest 2013 for me. All right? That's, that's what prayer can be. It's not me seeking God's wishes. It's not me looking for God's desires. It's me asking him to do whatever I think is best. Hey, God, I've got this. I just need you to help me. What I've had to realize is the fact that when we do this, if that is our intention, when we pray to God, hey, God, I need you to take care of this and do that and so on and so forth. If that is our intention, whenever we come to God in prayer, we are not actually praying at all. We're dictating. You know how when a boss has a secretary... A boss comes in and says, hey, secretary, I need you to do my laundry, and I need you to go get this stuff. I need you to run staples. I need you to take this note for me real quick, get ready to write this down. Sometimes that's what I feel like I do to God. Hey, God, I've got this figured out. He's my genie in the bottle. I'm in a problem. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a jam. Let me rub the lamp. God comes out. Hey, God, I need you to do this for me. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Sprinkle your God power all over it. And then I go about my way. If that's my version of prayer, then I'm not actually praying. Friends, if humble submission to God is not the central theme of our prayers, then prayer is merely a selfish ploy to get what we want. Get that, internalize it. If all we're doing is trying to get what we want out of this life, 
And we come to Jesus, we come to God, and we say that. Maybe we don't even really say it in our heads, but in our hearts, that's what we truly feel. We're not actually praying. If my agenda is more important than God's, then the reason why I pray is to get what I want. You see, why we pray is just as important as the act of prayer itself. We have to understand that we're putting it on the altar and we're asking God to take it. Always pray. All right, next, let's keep moving. In verse 4, it says this. He's continuing the story. For some time, the unjust judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come back and attack me. All right, so once again, this widow keeps coming, right? She's persistent. She keeps coming back. And eventually, because she keeps coming back, she gets what she wants. She gets her, her prayer answered. Okay, so the moral of this story is if we bother God enough, he'll eventually give us what we want. Right? If we bother God enough, if I just keep going and coming and coming and coming and coming, then eventually I'll get what I want. I know that sounds silly. I specifically remember several years ago asking God for a Ferrari. And uh, I still don't have my Ferrari, <laughs> unfortunately. I've heard plenty of messages that say something like, if you pray hard enough, and if you pray long enough, then God will give you what you want. Is that really what this life is about? Getting what you want? Is that what this whole thing is about? Us getting what we want? I'll tell you when it is about us getting what we want. It is if we're selfless. And if our motives are pure. And if the desire of our heart is to take our wants and put it on the throne, put it on the, the sacrifice table and say, God, you have it and, and give me what you want in return. If that is our desire, we'll get what we want every single time. If the desire of our heart is to give us away and take what God gives us, we'll get it every single time. You see, until we completely understand, always pray, never give up, that statement is an impossibility. We can't do it. We're, we're not capable. See, this, this whole statement, never give up, is much easier said than done, especially when things are not going well, when you're having a difficult season in life, when, when Jesus is trying to prepare you for what's ahead if you don't understand always pray, then never give up is not going to happen. See, like the widow, we're called to be persistent. But that drive to be persistent only comes when we understand that we're pursuing his desires for us, not my own. 
You see, what Jesus was preparing his disciples here for was the mental and physical and spiritual and emotional fatigue that was coming. He knew that he was getting ready to suffer and to die. And not only that, but his disciples were getting ready to be walking through that same season. And he knew that. And Jesus said, always pray. Never give up. Never give up. See, to give up means to be so worn out, to be so tired, that you become weary from the inside out. You become broken and messed up from the inside out. So how do we get to that place where we never give up? We can't. Not on our own, at least. See, I love this part right here. Look at the, look at the end, at the very end, in, in verse 6. It says, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And God will bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and they get it quickly. You see, this is where Jesus takes the story of the unjust judge and flips it on its end. He says, remember that unjust judge? Remember that aloof God that we feel like we keep coming to and he's not there, he's kind of doing whatever he wants? Guess what? God is not like that. God, in fact, is nothing like that at all. It says, he will bring justice for his chosen ones to those who cry out to him day and night. He won't put them off. He will see that they get justice quickly. See, this is what blows my mind. All right, catch this. This, this is, is just so cool how God is. The word justice means to take the values and the character of that judge. When you give justice, you take the values and the moral and the character of the judge and you extend it onto that situation. All right, so... so What Jesus was saying here was that God himself literally puts his character and his values on those who cry out to him. The God of the universe, the perfect creator of the universe takes his values and his character and who he is, his identity, and gives justice to those who cry out for him. How does he do that? Jesus Christ. The perfect, everlasting sacrifice to pay for our messed up, broken selves. 
Jesus was the epitome of never give up. You see, we can't do that on our own. Always pray and never give up. Guess what? We aren't capable. And so we need God to extend justice to us. We need him to extend his character and his morals to us. And that is found in the person of Jesus. Think back with me. Jesus is at the Garden of Gethsemane. He's getting ready to go to Calvary to die willingly on a cross. And he kneels down. And he says, God, I don't want to do this. But at the end of the day, not my will, but yours be done. That's our always pray. And then he marches to Calvary. And the perfect, sinless Son of God willingly died on a cross for you and for me. How do we always pray and never give up? We can't. But Jesus Christ can. It takes us willingly and humbly submitting ourselves to Him. You see, we can prepare for hard seasons all day long. We can read the Bible, we can pray, we can go to church. Guess what, friends? There is no magic bag that's got it all. We can't prepare ourselves for what is to come. We can't prepare ourselves for cancer, for death, for earthquakes, for loss of job, for anything else that comes our way. We are completely and utterly incapable. God wants us to see that. Enter Jesus Christ. If I can learn to submit my will to Him, to give Him all of my junk, then Jesus will prepare you for what comes. He will be your prayer. It says He's up with the Father interceding for us right now. If we follow Him, only in His strength and in His power and in Christ living Himself out in us will we be able to always pray and never give up. You know what's amazing about that story? That because of what Jesus did, when when we allow Christ to come in and, and we follow Him, we actually can pray and stand from victory, not for it. We can pray from victory because Jesus has already won. The battle is already over. The author of the book knows the end of the story. He scripted the movie. He knows the end. And if we claim Christ today, We can stand in victory no matter what comes our way. We may not understand it. 
And I'm not saying it's easy. But what I am saying is that in Christ, you can get through it. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. For some of you, this might be a foreign concept. And I just, I just want to ask, man. First of all, I want to tell you, if you are, have not given your life to Christ, if you have not made that statement, man, I want to follow him. My life is broken. I messed up. And I recognize that I need him. I want to tell you, if, that, if you have not made that statement, if you haven't crossed that line, I'm here to tell you today, being a follower of Christ is not easy. In fact, Jesus calls us to come and die. It says in his word that we are to take up our cross, to die to ourselves daily in order to follow him. And so while salvation, becoming a follower of Jesus is instantaneous, we can pray and say, Jesus, I give it to you. I want to follow you. It's that easy. But yet it's extremely difficult. And so I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus... In a moment of boldness, if you would, just stand up. Right here, right now. It's an intense statement that you are making. And I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I also want to leave you with this thought. If you are a follower of Christ today and you're struggling, guess what? You're not alone. Every single one of us is a broken individual. You are not alone in this fight. But it is not okay for you to stay where you are because Jesus wants more. If you're going to survive as a follower of Jesus, he calls you to give him everything. And so I want to challenge you today. Are you willing to take a step forward in your faith? To say, Brent, I need some prayer. I might need counseling. I need to get in a group of people that that can help push me. I need accountability in my life. If you're struggling today, I just want to ask you, just raise your hand so we can be, yes, amen. Thank you. We want to pray for you specifically. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's not an easy road. That's what's so great about the body of Jesus, the church. Jesus, thank you, God, that you 
came and that you offered yourself as a sacrifice. Man, thank you that every time I open the scripture, Lord, I'm just amazed at how little and feeble and small I am, how insignificant I feel, but God, I am cherished and loved by you. Thank you, God, that your grace and your mercy washes over all of us who call you our God, who call your Son our Savior. Lord, thank you that our dependence is on you today. Let's pray, Lord, that you would challenge us and push us to put ourselves on the altar today. Willingly to sacrifice ourselves, Lord, for you. We love you, Jesus. Your name.